This is an NBC News special report. Here's Savannah Guthrie. Hello from London, and as we come on the air, we are just moments away from the very first public address to the nation from King Charles III, a speech he recorded a few hours ago here at Buckingham Palace, as you can see. Surrounded by throngs of mourners, it is set to be broadcast just moments from now. And this was the scene the king returned to earlier today as he returned from Scotland where his mother passed. This afternoon, thousands of mourners outside the palace gates there to pay tribute to Queen Elizabeth and her extraordinary 70-year reign. The king and queen consort Camilla stopping, as you see there, to meet and greet the crowd and then take a walk to view the ever-growing floral tribute. And at this hour, at St. Paul's Cathedral, a service is underway. The new prime minister and other dignitaries gathering in a service of prayer and reflection. 2,000 members of the public to attend. Tickets first come, first serve. They went in hours. And notably at this service, we will hear the first official rendition of God Save the King. So as we await the King's address to the nation, let's go to NBC News senior international correspondent Keir Simmons on this remarkable day. Keir? Well, Savannah, as the king walked into Buckingham Palace for the first time as king, he went there to record this first message to his people. And I think that he will try to set a tone, much as his mother did, the queen, back in 1953 on her coronation, when she said, throughout my life and with all my heart, I shall strive to be worthy of your trust. Well, the new king must make people convinced that he can lead them, that he can be worthy of their trust. And at the same time, those pictures of him greeting the people, he's going to want to connect himself with his people. He has a lot to do, Savannah. He does indeed. We're about a minute away now from this speech from the new king. Briefly, I go to you, Wilfred Frost, who's one of our NBC News contributors. I mean, here's a 73-year-old monarch who has been waiting literally all his life for this moment. He's certainly not unprepared, but can you imagine when it actually happens? Well, I know. What, what, a, what a lifetime waiting. And he's uh, starting to step up to the mark, as Keir says, first official speech. But also, I think people will be looking for that personal touch, his memories of his mother publicly for the first first time uh, since she passed away and the first shots of him inside the palace as king. We always used to dissect the Queen's speech. Will he have a photo beside him of her? We'll see. We will see. And the royal standard now flying. Flags are at half-mast all around the, the nation and the Commonwealth, but not here when the king is in residence. We are about to see King Charles III from the blue drawing home, the blue drawing room of Buckingham Palace in his first address to the nation as king. Let's take a listen. I speak to you today with feelings of profound sorrow. Throughout her life, Her Majesty the Queen, my beloved mother, was an inspiration, an example to me and to all my family. And we owe her the most heartfelt debt any family could owe to their mother for her love, affection, guidance, understanding and example. Queen Elizabeth was a life well lived, a promise with destiny kept, and she is mourned most deeply in her passing. That promise of lifelong service I renew to you all today. 
Alongside the personal grief that all my family are feeling, we also share with so many of you in the United Kingdom, in all the countries where the Queen was head of state, in the Commonwealth and across the world, a deep sense of gratitude for the more than 70 years in which my mother as Queen served the people of so many nations. In 1947, on her 21st birthday, she pledged in a broadcast from Cape Town to the Commonwealth to devote her life, whether it be short or long, to the service of her peoples. That was more than a promise. It was a profound personal commitment which defined her whole life. She made sacrifices for duty. Her dedication and devotion as sovereign never wavered through times of change and progress, through times of joy and celebration, and through times of sadness and loss. In her life of service, we saw that abiding love of tradition together with that fearless embrace of progress, which makes us great as nations. The affection, admiration and respect she inspired became the hallmark of her reign. And as every member of my family can testify, she combined these qualities with warmth, humor and an unerring ability always to see the best in people. I pay tribute to my mother's memory and I honor her life of service. I know that her death brings great sadness to so many of you and I share that sense of loss beyond measure with you all. When the Queen came to the throne Britain and the world were still coping with the privations and aftermath of the Second World War and still living by the conventions of earlier times. In the course of the last 70 years, we have seen our society become one of many cultures and many faiths. The institutions of the state have changed in turn, but through all changes and challenges, our nation and the wider family of realms of whose talents, traditions and achievements I am so inexpressibly proud have prospered and flourished. Our values have remained and must remain constant. The role and the duties of monarchy also remain as does the Sovereign's particular relationship and responsibility towards the Church of England, the Church in which my own faith is so deeply rooted. In that faith and the values it inspires, I have been brought up to cherish a sense of duty to others and to hold in the greatest respect the precious traditions, freedoms and responsibilities of our unique history and our system of parliamentary government.
as the Queen herself did with such unswerving devotion, I too now solemnly pledge myself throughout the remaining time God grants me to uphold the constitutional principles at the heart of our nation. And wherever you may live in the United Kingdom or in the realms and territories across the world, and whatever may be your background or beliefs, I shall endeavor to serve you with loyalty, respect, and love, as I have throughout my life. My life will, of course, change as I take up my new responsibilities. It will no longer be possible for me to give so much of my time and energies to the charities and issues for which I care so deeply. But I know this important work will go on in the trusted hands of others. This is also a time of change for my family. I count on the loving help of my darling wife, Camilla. In recognition of her own loyal public service since our marriage 17 years ago, she becomes my queen consort. I know she will bring to the demands of her new role the steadfast devotion to duty on which I have come to rely so much. As my heir, William now assumes the Scottish titles, which have meant so much to me. He succeeds me as Duke of Cornwall and takes on the responsibilities for the Duchy of Cornwall, which I have undertaken for more than five decades. Today, I am proud to create him Prince of Wales, Tewusog Cymru, the country whose title I've been so greatly privileged to bear during so much of my life and duty. With Catherine beside him, our new Prince and Princess of Wales will, I know, continue to inspire and lead our national conversations, helping to bring the marginal to the centre ground where vital help can be given. I want also to express my love for Harry and Meghan as they continue to build their lives overseas. In a little over a week's time, we will come together as a nation, as a commonwealth, and indeed a global community, to lay my beloved mother to rest. In our sorrow, let us remember and draw strength from the light of her example. On behalf of all my family, I can only offer the most sincere and heartfelt thanks for your condolences and support. They mean more to me than I can ever possibly express. And to my darling Mama, as you begin your last great journey, to join my dear late papa, I want simply to say this. Thank you. Thank you for your love and devotion to our family and to the family of nations you have served so diligently 
all these years. May flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. From the blue drawing room at Buckingham Palace, King Charles III in his first public address to the nation, announcing new titles for his heirs, for his wife, the Queen Consort, Camilla, and with a warm and loving remembrance of his mother, Queen Elizabeth II. I'm joined by Wilfred Frost, an NBC News contributor here with me. And I, I'm so struck. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. But I don't know about you. I'm very struck by the emotional note that the king struck here for his mother. It was an homage to her resolute service over the years. He said it was a promise of destiny kept. But he w had a, a, a warm remembrance of her personality, which he brought to the family, mm -hmm. even referring to her as his darling mama. Oh, I, I was making notes is going to talk about all this very clear commitment to duty in the way he's pledged a life of service but all of that as well as those wonderful messages to his children all of that was trumped by that final minute i think he got a little bit teary during it i was as well personally because he was remembering his mother his dear mama as you said just so warmly and and fondly and and said as you begin this last journey thank you and we just heard applause with that slight delay with the crowd hearing it to what we were listening to break out as he said may a flight of angels sing thee to thy rest i i was moved hearing hearing that ending deeply it was an extraordinary speech as i said it was a tribute to her service uh, he talked about what we spoke about earlier that at 21 years old her birthday her saying i pledge my life whether it be long or short to service of this nation and King Charles picking up that mantle and saying, I do too. Uh, absolutely. And we're, interestingly, he did it kind of twice, stealthily once towards the top. He, he talked about her lifelong service and I renew that commitment today. And then for quite a long time, two or three minutes, listed how wonderful and brilliant her service had been before making the pledge again himself. I think a, a clear hint there to everyone uh, watching and listening that he intends to do his very best to emulate that commitment to service uh, and duty himself. Well, the tone is so interesting. I want to bring in NBC News senior international correspondent Keir Simmons into this conversation as well. Keir, yeah. are you, like Wilford and I, struck by that warm and personal tone the king struck in this in this speech i am savannah he, he needed to be personal and at the same time he needed to speak for the nation and he did everyone listening will have agreed with what he said and felt for him at the very same time and he needed to weave together modernity and tradition that is what his mother queen elizabeth did so well and he did. He talked about her abiding love of tradition, but then talked, and this is something that matters a lot to him, he talked about the many faiths. Remember, he is the head of the Church of England, but to be open to many faiths is something he's always believed in. So to do that in this first speech as king, it sets out something like a manifesto, although of course he's not political. I also think that it was extraordinarily magnanimous and open-hearted to include Harry and Meghan in his speech and to talking about them continuing to build their lives overseas overseas he needed to do that too and so in less than 10 minutes he has achieved an awful lot i think there is a long road ahead savannah but this was the beginning and i think it was a good beginning 
I should mention, Kier, that uh, this played and was broadcast across the UK, uh, around the world indeed, but also inside the cathedral where at this moment across town there is a prayer service and reflection underway dignitaries, the Prime Minister in attendance, and this speech was broadcast there as well. Earlier today, the incoming Prime Minister had an audience with the King here at Buckingham Palace, her first audience here at the Palace, and it just brings up uh, and, and highlights the fact that this has been a week of extraordinary change. A new head of government and a new head of state here. That's right. That change, it's, it's extraordinary and it's hard to take in, isn't it? You, you have to pinch yourself that you're looking not at Prince Charles, uh, but at the new King of the United Kingdom. You have to pinch yourself that he is talking about his late mother, uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, you have to pinch yourself that, that William is now uh, the Prince of Wales, that title that we, for so long we have associated with Charles, now King Charles. It was a moving speech. He talked about his profound sorrow for his beloved mother and said that we owe her our heartfelt debt. And it is heartfelt, Savannah, and it's heartfelt by millions of people in this country and I think around the world. I want to bring in NBC News senior national correspondent Tom Yams. He is in Edinburgh, Scotland for us, about 100 miles away from where the Queen passed at Balmoral Castle, her beloved home in the country. Her body will be moved to Edinburgh in the coming days and it will give the public its first chance to pay their respects. Tom, uh, a, a lot of tributes pouring in there as well. That's right, Savannah, because the long goodbye to Queen Elizabeth II starts right here in Scotland. As we report on this historical transition, the body of the Queen remains here at the Balmoral Estate. Some have described it, as you mentioned, as the Queen's favorite residence. Some say it is so po poetic that she spent her last day on Earth in the place she loved so much, her summer getaway, where she connected both with her family, but also the outdoors, the majestic Scottish highlands, and of course, enjoying time with her corgis, her, her beloved dogs. Floral tributes have been placed outside the main gates there as people all across the UK and the world are starting to make their way to the many different palaces and castles. In the coming days, we are expecting for a hearse to transport the Queen's coffin from Balmoral here to Edinburgh to the official residence in Scotland known as Holyrood House. Today we were there as those that love the Queen left flowers and messages. We could possibly see the King and the rest of the royal family in Edinburgh for these events, but we are awaiting confirmation. Of course, those plans are very fluid. And then just behind me, you can see here, um, that is St. Giles Cathedral. You can see the crown spire there. And, and that's going to be the place where the public will get their first chance to pay their respects as the Queen's coffin will rest there for 24 hours. Throughout this process, the coffin will be watched over by the King's bodyguards. They are known here in Scotland as the Royal Company of Archers. There's expected to be a vigil with the royal family and there are some initial reports the public will be able to view her coffin, but again, these plans can change at any moment. From there, the procession moves to where you are, into London. And Savannah, I've had the chance to speak with a lot of people throughout uh, Edinburgh about what's going on and what's happening. And everyone wants to talk about the Queen. They all have very good memories. People are very sad, but they light up when you ask them because they, they, they want to remember her. They want to mourn her. And, and one great story I, I was speaking to a man, he says he has a tradition where he drinks Macallan's 25 twice a year on Christmas and on his birthday. And he says he thinks he's going to have some this weekend. Savannah. Tom, it's, it's everywhere, this overwhelming sense of love and affection for this queen. I heard from many people today who said, 
when asked, why are you here? Why did you come and lay flowers? They said, because my grandmother loved the queen, because my grandfather stood and watched when King George's casket went by. There's a feeling of tradition. It's multi-generational. It, it really transcends all, all of the divisions that we're aware of in this moment. People gathered here to honor this queen. Tom, thank you very much. And for a final thought, I turn to you, Wilfred. I mean, all of these things we've known for decades. There's an order of mm -hmm. things. There's an heir to the throne. We know who it is. And yet it seems so seismic to have the Prince of Wales title now bestowed upon William and Kate, to have Camilla become the queen consort. All of this preordained and yet no less stunning as it happens. He, he also basically just anointed his son, the Prince of Wales, there in that speech. Well, certainly that was the first uh, that we heard of it. And of course, his wife now, Catherine, takes on a title of uh, huge significance here in being the Princess of, of Wales. But when we heard that, which was warm and friendly, of course, to his son, but there was also a formality to it that made it necessary. You were just hoping he'd say something about Harry and Meghan as well. And it was wonderful to hear him talk of his love uh, for them too. You know, many people have been wondering uh, less formal roles for Harry in the next 10 days and to see him included. We talk about olive branches being extended. That was certainly one of them. Yeah, well, it has been a remarkable day here at Buckingham Palace to all of our correspondents and contributors. Thank you so much. We are going to be here in London as these events unfold in the coming days. And tomorrow morning, a very important event that we will cover live here on NBC, the meeting of the Accession Council. That is where King Charles III will be formally named king. William will be there in attendance. Queen Camilla will be there in attendance as well. The coronation is, is some time away. We don't know when that can be. It may be more than a year, but uh, in any event, things are rolling now. The king has addressed the nation, and a new UK is being born as we speak. That concludes our coverage of King Charles III's first address to the United Kingdom. We'll have much more throughout the day on MSNBC and on our streaming service, NBC News Now, and of course tonight on NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Return most of you now to your regular programming. For all of us at NBC News, I'm Savannah Guthrie in London. This has been an NBC News special report.